welcome back to another episode of Insights of the Mental Game. Today, we have a special guest, Shasta Averyhart. She is an LPGA Tour player who is the fourth African-American to ever earn LPGA Tour status. Along with qualifying for the U.S. Women's Open, she has won seven professional tournaments in her career. Welcome, Shasta. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Likewise. Of course. Uh, how are you today? How's everything going? It's going well. I actually just got back from the golf course. Nice. And, yeah. So I showered real quick uh, to get ready for our fun podcast we're about to have at this very moment. And um, I definitely got a good practice in today. So it was, it was a really great day. How about That's you? That's good. Um, pretty good. I just came back from, you know, high school golf practice. And yeah, I just got ready to start the podcast. I'm so excited. Yeah. How was your tournament? I do remember you telling me you had a tournament earlier in it September. It was pretty good. Clip. Yeah, it was nice. We actually mm. have um, an invitation on tomorrow morning. So looking forward to that. Ooh. okay. Well, good luck to you. Good vibes and lots of birdies. Yeah. Um, okay. So now to get into the swing of things, you have so many accomplishments and I kind of just want to know how you started, how you knew, like, when did you know you wanted to become an LPGA golfer? Uh, so I started golf at the age of seven and, um, dad, uh, was definitely the golfer in the family. So he definitely just took me to the golf course, uh, after work. And I just started swinging away as kind of just watching him his movements with the swing. And I just kind of replicated that. I think that was pretty much how I learned is just visually, uh, you know, if I need to learn how to do something, I just watch someone visually. So um, I ended up doing that. And then uh, as I got older, maybe around middle school, I started playing in some local junior tournaments like uh, Flint Junior Golf, Flint Inner City Golf, and then some statewide tournaments. And I would say maybe high school, maybe about senior year, I would kind of realize, hey, you know what? I might have a chance to play on the LPGA tour. And I remember my dad taking me to a couple of LPGA events in Michigan. And I was able to watch um, like Kelly Robbins, uh, Janice Moody, mm -hmm. EJ Ethorn, and Beth Daniels and all like the great legends of the LPGA. And I always felt like I could be out there uh, but I wasn't 100% committed until I eventually got to college. And after it was after sophomore year, I had set a record after our conference championship. And I had like this little section in the Golf Digest mm -hmm. magazine. And I would always look for the Golf Digest magazine coming in every week in the summertime. And as soon as I got home from uh, spring semester, I saw it in there and I was like, you know what? Like it was next to like articles from like Duke, you know, players from Duke, mm -hmm. um, you know, USC players. And I said, you know what? Like, I think I can do this. Like, I really think I can play on the LPGA tour. I don't see why I can't. And so it was a matter of when I was going to do it. And I knew after college, I wanted to finish college and then start my journey um, down in Florida. Nice. Um, where did you go to college? So I attended Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi. Nice. And then did you play golf there? I did. Yeah, I ended up getting a full ride there uh, all four years. I was on the golf team. I ended up winning nine collegiate events. Oh, wow. And I had a really great team atmosphere. It was really fun traveling with the ladies. And uh, we just had a really good time. And I had a great time just in college in general. Mm -hmm. I think that 
that's probably the best times of your year uh, of your life, excuse me. And I always try to encourage like junior golfers to understand, like if you're a phenom and you want to obviously turn pro and make the money, that's great. Uh, but now with the NIL deals, I feel like you can still go to college and have that really fun experience there and still play professionally because you can never really make up those years again. No, it's amazing to do both, be able to like achieve your goals as well as like having fun and not missing out like on your college years. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you learn, you mature, you, you learn how to do life as an adult. And um, I think those are very critical years uh, from 18 to 22 to being able to really thrive and blossom as an individual. Mm-hmm. In your um, in your high school experience, like when you when you decided you wanted to go play college golf, how was the process like for you? Uh, so at this time, uh, I what did we do? We so it's so different now, right? Um, mm-hmm. We don't have, we didn't have social media. So, um, we went the old school way and had DVD, um, CDs that we would put like my swing on, we'd put my resume, my stats, and we would send them out to first, we started with the division one schools, um, that I had interest in. And then we dropped to division two schools and just see what kind of offers, you know, just what's out there, uh, potentially for me. And so, once um, and then we sent also paper packets with the dvds well that's yeah that was what it was in there the dvds and the paper packet and we just sent them out and so um we got some calls back letters back uh, i think the big thing was you needed to have a certain scoring average for national tournaments mm-hmm. in order for them to really look at you and i hadn't had enough national experience um, due to financial constraints in our household so I made do with what I could when I went to go play national tournaments like the USAM. And at the time there was a tournament called the Big Eye, the Westville PGA Championship, stuff like that. Um, and so I kind of knew like, okay, like some of those schools like Pepperdine, like University of Arizona, I had to write them off the list uh, because I just knew my scoring average wasn't what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And so um, there were some schools that uh, responded and they were like, hey, we'd love for you to come visit. And so I went on about three official visits and I had, uh, yeah, all three were full ride opportunities, oh, wow. uh, but, but they were all in different locations of the country. So one was in Michigan mm-hmm. um, and they were all D, uh, well, excuse me, two was D1 and one was D2 down in, D2 was down in Florida. Um, and then one was in Mississippi. And so on the visit to Jackson State, I when I got back, I was told my dad, I was like, I'm not going there. I was like, I, I think it's too far away. Like, I was just like, I, it's too far south. And when we sat down, he was like, well, hold on before you make decisions, you know, let's just do the pros and cons list for all schools. And I want, I knew I want to stay in the division one. I didn't want to play golf all year round. I want a full ride because I did not want to graduate with bad debt. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did want some leeway away, kind of away from home a little bit, maybe yeah. not as far, but when I looked at the, oh, and then the competitive schedule that they had um, for a team and it, it, everything pointed to Jackson State. And so I was like, okay, like, that's fine. I find, you know, the big, big picture here, right? So I signed and um, that was pretty much the process of, for me, like figuring out if I want to play collegiate golf to actually signing with Jackson State. Yeah. Um, no, it definitely is a big jump from like, 
you know, Flint, Michigan, all the way down to <laughs> Jacksonville and um, Alabama. Yeah, it's a it was a huge culture shock. Um, everybody was really nice. That was the big thing. Like that kind of mellowed me out a little bit. I think I was never like a mean person, but I was a little more reserved. Like I didn't like if I don't know you, I'm not talking to you type of thing. And going to school down south, people were so kind and you're walking past they're like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know you, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm going to say hi because you were nice to me. So I'm going to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just the vibe that I got. And, and the Southern hospitality was just really um, what really sold me. That's really amazing. Um, what has been like the hardest part of your golf game mentally that you've dealt with in your career? Uh, I would say holding on to the past, uh, like bad shots, um, mm-hmm. thinking that they'll come again, um, getting a string of birdies together, thinking something bad's going to happen next. Yeah. Uh, that is something that I find that has happened up until this point, like here and there sporadically in different tournaments. And you really have to be mentally disciplined and really have a high level of self-confidence. And I have to be honest, there has been moments in my career from junior to collegiate to professional where I didn't have the highest self-confidence. You know, you kind of let opinions from others get in my head, um, doubt, um, kind of holding on to some of the bad moments versus really holding on to the positive moments and really focusing on the positive experiences and building on that. And I think inherently as humans, we are so used to uh, like protecting ourselves, survival mode. And the first thing we're going to look at is something negative. So we're inherently negative. And so we have to work so hard to be positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if you're naturally positive, that's great. But if you're not, then you have to work double time to make sure that you are constantly thinking good thoughts about yourself, about your golf game. And then also let's just say repetition, right? Like if you're at practice and you are like hitting it like crap, how can you be positive exactly the next day at a tournament right and so that I think because I've had this happened plenty of times but I think where the self-confidence comes in is being able to go back into the past and find a tournament a practice session so where you've had success on pulling off certain shots that you did not see executed in that particular moment mm-hmm. And that's something I've had to do um, in certain situations. Does it happen all the time? No. But I would say that that's been um, an obstacle that, you know, constantly fighting. Yeah. Um, I actually relate to that. I, I had um, a tournament um, like a couple of days ago and we had a range session um, right before, you know, just to warm up. I would say I hit about 20 balls and they weren't very good. And it's like, okay, stay positive, you know, hitting we're hitting off a mat it's very different from hitting off the grass and I'm like okay like just because you did a little bad on the range doesn't mean the round's going to be terrible and I just have to keep on telling myself that because right away I'm like oh I'm going to shoot my worst score ever but it's like you Mm -hmm. can't start off the round thinking like that and I feel like that's something a lot of people do like without even knowing it and it does affect your score so absolutely like it's amazing to see you'll have a perfect warm-up session and I'll and this happened plenty of times I'll go out and shoot 74 75 and I'm like Mm -hmm. 
I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> then I will literally warm up for like, you know, the next day or whatever. I'm just mad. And I'm like, you know what? I just feel like I need to cut down my warm up. Like, obviously, I shot 74 75 with a perfect warm up. Let's see what happens with a shorter warm up or just barely any warm up at all. And I'll mm-hmm. go out and shoot under par. And I'm just like, yeah. I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what works for me consistently. But yeah, I think those for you, like where you're at, you're still like learning the game and mm-hmm. you're still trying to figure yourself out. And that's the important lesson with that is just like, okay, like, what am I learning today about myself? How can I be the best version of myself today? And I think that takes a lot of weight off of your shoulders as Mm -hmm. opposed to the mindset of how can I be better? How can I be better? Because it just seems like you're never going to be the best. Yeah, you just can't. You can always do better. But at some point you have to realize that like, wait, this was really good. Like I did good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was a good day today. Mm -hmm. And let's see what happens tomorrow. I think that that relieves a lot of anxiety. If you just kind of can remember that mindset of just, I'm going to show my best today. Exactly. And see what happens. Because I, you know, I walk up to people who are great golfers. I tell you like amazing. They're my age. And I'm like, how'd you do? And they're like, oh, I did terrible. And I'm like, didn't you didn't you like shoot two under and they're like (laughs) no but like I missed this pot like I didn't do good on the shot and I'm like no you did good like everyone can be better like Tiger Woods himself could probably name like three shots he could have like gotten down like you know Mm -hmm. lowered his score but it's like he did good he's really good and just telling yourself that over and over again like I am a good player I'm confident going out there and then you'll do well. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I, I find that a lot of players that um, are beat themselves up. I used to be one of them. I used mm-hmm. to beat myself up all the time and it just eroded at my self-confidence and just got to a point where I was just like, I can't keep doing this to myself. I got to be really nice to myself, you know, firm, work hard, discipline, but still at the end of the day, be nice to yourself. Yeah. What the do you... world's already tough. <laughs> what did you, so when you were dealing with that, how did you get yourself to a position where you gained your confidence back and you started being nice to yourself? Um, so interesting enough, I, uh, so my father lives up in Michigan and my mom lives in Virginia. So I have to do a lot of split <laughs> visits, if mm-hmm. you will. And so in the summertime, I'll come up to Michigan and uh, spend some time with my dad in between events and I decided to go downstairs into the basement and pull out a um, container that had all of my high school and mix of college articles, um, medals, Mm. um, certificates from not only golf, but from volleyball. And I just sat there and I just read them. And it was not from an egotistical standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. It was more so of a reassurance that I still have it, Mm -hmm. um, that I've always had it, that I worked really hard to achieve it. And the self-confidence is really just a state of mind. Um, And even if I do shoot 80, I'm still a great player. I'm still Mm -hmm. a good person. My parents, my family's going to still love me. My pets still going to love me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my support team, my team is going to still support me. Um, that's what really, I think, made me realize, okay, like your self-confidence is not conditional. It has to be unconditional. 
Yeah. And, and if you're playing lights out, you're still the same person as yeah. opposed to you playing po- poorly. Mm-hmm. You're still that same person at the root of who you really are. And those articles, like it, it was a big deal. Like I went and read them and I was like, man, like I did some really cool things in junior golf and in college golf and amateur golf. Like I can't forget these moments. Nothing's really changed other than just the mindset. And, you know, I've just gotten older, but I still feel like my golf game's so solid. Like I'm still healthy. Nothing's really changed. And then like also being featured in a golf digest magazine, that's like amazing. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And itself, like it's okay. Like, yeah, it's not the cover. Okay. That's fine. But just being in there and to be able to sit back when I'm 70, 80 years old and look back at my life, like, you know what? I did some really great things. You did. Yeah. And, and that's what I think for, you know, anybody that's, you know, listening to this, like you could celebrate the little moments, you could take time, right? Just sit back. And if you need a refresher or something to reassure you that you are on the right track or um, to reaffirm that you are a great player and a great athlete, uh, that's something that you can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What pets do you have? So I have, um, I had a dog last year, but mm-hmm. she passed away, which I feel like I still haven't let her go yet mentally. Sorry. Um, yeah. no, it's okay. She was just, she got old Yeah, and, oh, um, sure. it's just hard. It's, it's so hard when they're not here very long. So, um, now I have a cat that I rescued and I actually have to leave him with my dad more often than not because I'm traveling so much. So yeah. I think when I like off season, I'm settled at home for like a month or two, I can take him with me and spend more time with him. Um, But I mean, once I stop traveling, like I'm going to have more pets because I just, I love animals. Do you have a pet? I do. I have a white Labrador. He's like 90 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he is so fun. He is. He's like, um then I'm in bed and you know like on the weekends like even tomorrow I gotta wake up at like oh I gotta be at school by 6 15 and I am not a morning person so usually my dog he just runs in the room and licks my face and I'm like okay I'm up I'm up <laughs> oh that's, that's so sweet I know you cherish those moments though I do yeah you're right they're not like you just cherish all the moments you have with them <laughs> They mm-hmm. could be annoying sometimes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, last of all, uh, do you have any tips or advice for someone struggling with their mental health or mental game in golf or any junior golfers in general? Yeah, um, so what I did was in high school, we, I mean, our, again, like, you know, financial constraints uh, that were households under. I didn't have access to a sports psychologist or just really like a psychologist to talk to. So what my dad did was he went and got um, golf books Mm -hmm. like Zen golf um, books by vision 54, like Lynn Marriott, Pia Nelson, um, the game before the game, uh, uh, Bob Rotella, like books like that, where I studied them. Like I was like, it was a class and I was able to really use a lot of tools that they provided in those books to overcome certain barriers that I was having in my game, especially in the developmental stages. And 
whether it was short game, putting, long game, um, just mentally like being able to look at golf from a different perspective, being able to still allow it to be a game, mm-hmm. uh, to have fun with the game, um, learning how to practice. Like those books really do help, especially the Vision 54 books. Um, the latest one that they have is um, that I bought was, oh, now I can't remember. It, it's the latest one that they, they, um, they came out with and it was a blue and white and black cover. Okay. Um, and that book was really tapped into like understanding the mind because I think it's so helpful for junior golfers to really understand how their mind works. And whether you figure it out early on or not, like it's going to take years, right? We're here on a, our own personal journeys, but it really is fascinating to see like how quickly your mind can go from the present the future and then back into the past and then just keep rotating during a golf round in between shots and those books really helped me be able to get over some hurdles that I was struggling with and be able to break through and win some tournaments um, and just in, again like have fun because most of the time like you're preparing to go win a tournament but you can't control if you win or not because you can't control what everybody else is doing somebody can have it can be careering it that day and that's not to say that you didn't play well it's Mm -hmm. just the fact that it was their time everything lined up for them and so that's something that had I really understood that I would have alleviated a lot of pressure off myself and just enjoyed the game a lot more when I was growing up I mean I still enjoyed it but just like really enjoyed it and had fun even when it's not going great (laughs) oh exactly it's like you're playing to have fun. You started the sport to have fun. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, I started playing to have fun. I did not start playing to be discouraged. Like, don't think so much on the course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even if you have to take a, a mental break in between shots and look at the birds, look at the trees, look at the animals roaming around, look yeah. at the grass, like just noticing every single little detail on the golf course and just embracing being out in nature and and taking deep breaths. A lot of breathing techniques are taught in these books to get you to calm your nervous system down because if your nervous system is so amplified, you're going to be so tight and you're not going to produce the shots you know you can produce. Mm -hmm. That's actually exactly what I do. I go out there and I take a deep, after I hit a shot and let's say like I miss the green, it's I'm left of the green and I'm like, okay, I like look around and I take deep breaths and I I look at the trees and I'm like, wow, this golf course is so pretty. And then Mm -hmm. I'm calm. And then, you know, you can make par on the hole. So, yeah, absolutely. Like it just like, it's at the end of the day, it's just hitting your ball from one target to the next Mm -hmm. and trying to fill yourself with a lot of happiness and, and good vibes, good positive thoughts to help you get through the round and enjoy that very moment. Mm-hmm. so I actually have something fun so we're I'm going to give you 10 questions and they're just pretty short questions I call them rapid fire questions yeah and um you're just going to quickly answer them so here we go okay. um what is your favorite snack on the course oh my god um <laughs> this is not going very well right now <laughs> I just started <laughs> you got it favorite snack favorite snack come on come on come on I like bananas okay good. um hat or visor Ooh, visor. All right. Push cart or carry? Carry. All right. Favorite club? 
driver. Me too. <laughs> Least favorite club? Mm, four iron. Uh, nine holes or 18 holes? Or any now? <laughs> nine holes. Uh, favorite PGA player? Oh, Tiger Woods. <laughs> favorite LPGA player? Myself. Yeah, of course. A sport <laughs> you would play if you didn't play golf? Uh, volleyball. Um, and go to breakfast before a big game? Lots of eggs. Oh, nice. I, you know, really bulks up the protein. <laughs> it really does. It needs seasoning, though. I, I can't do it plain. Oh, my God. I put so much black pepper on it. Like, <laughs> like putting it on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you.